Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome again to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. My name's Dan Carson, and I'm thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue the conversation about student ministry. Now, over the last few episodes, we've been talking about expectations, this idea of what do we expect in a youth pastor? So we've talked with a parent, we've talked with a volunteer, and today we're going to talk with a pastor to kind of round out that conversation about what are you looking for in a youth pastor? My good friend, Wade Allen, is going to be with us, and we just want to talk about those things. But before we get into our conversation, I want to thank our podcast partner, Central Baptist College of Conway. Central Baptist College is challenging, engaging, inspiring. It's all those things that your students may be looking for. So have them check it out at cbc.edu. Again, that's cbc.edu. Now, if you are enjoying the podcast, let me encourage you to like, review, share it with people through social media and other avenues. We want to connect with all of those different folks who are working and serving with students. And whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, we're here for you. We care about you. We'd love to hear from you. So uh, just reach out, info at studentministrymatters.com. Well, Wade, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, it's great to be here, Dan. Wade Allen is the pastor of Temple Baptist Church in Rogers, Arkansas. He is a former missionary for the BMA of America in the Philippines. Um, he is uh, a husband, a father, um, and most importantly, he's my friend. And I'm just thrilled that he's on here with us. Take a moment and just share with our listeners what's currently going on in your life and ministry. Well, the, the last nine months or so, my wife and I have been enjoying an empty nest and one of those birds flew back home for the summer this year. And so my son, who's just finished his third year at Central Baptist College, it got home last week for the summer. And so he's getting a job or actually two jobs. And we are realizing that this is probably the last time that he's going to be home to live with us. And so um, trying to, to spend some time figuring out different ways that we can spend time together and things to do this summer. And we've got a, a study that we'll be doing together because I'm recognizing that this is really very possibly the last opportunity that I'm going to have to really pour into his life. And so I sure don't want to waste that opportunity. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, uh, he, he has found a, a lovely young lady that has fallen in love with him, and he is head over heels in love with her. And so if he can save enough money, we'll see if uh, they might be able to get engaged later this year. And so <laughs> excited about that. God's really blessed in that way. Man, that's an exciting time. I remember the days leading up to when my son asked his now wife, uh, to, to step into that relationship. And there's so many things I wanted to pour into Riley and hopefully I got, got a few of those through that thick noggin of yeah. his, but yeah, yeah. well, 
I know your son and I know mine and they both have thick heads. So yeah, <laughs> God bless them. God I don't know them. where they got it though, Dan. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> They're mamas, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> I did not agree with that. If Pimple and Joanna listen to this. <laughs> Well, listen, um, besides your life and, and what's going on with, with your son, uh, what are you passionate about right now? Oh, I've been in the middle of a project that I'm really excited about. It's actually a project that started in January of the year 2000. Um, wow. I've, I've been working for a long time in developing a discipleship process that is simple, reproducible, uh, so that the those that I make disciples of, they can take that and and make disciples of their own. And so it has gone through a, a lot of different formats over the years. Um, the formative time of this was in our time in the Philippines, working together with missionary Robert Murphy. And Robert and I spent months and years, honestly, uh, working through this, developing this simple process. And so when I moved back here to the U.S., it, I knew it was something I wanted to, to use. Um, but at the same time, different culture, different context. And, and so we've put it through a, a little bit of a, a reworking. And so that has all of the writing for that has been completed for the discipleship training. I'm still working on the leadership development track, but now I'm in the process of uh, putting those into some self-published books and figuring out ways to, to train people in this. And so uh, I'm excited about future possibilities in this because I really miss that opportunity of training trainers. Mm. And so I'm, I'm really excited about that, spending all my extra time working on that these days. Well, discipleship is such a key to our ministries, to the Christian life. Boy, that, that I'm excited for you um, as we've talked about this project, and I look forward to seeing more about it. Today, we're going to be talking about the expectations of a pastor for towards that of a youth pastor. What does that look like? What are they looking for? And so, as we talk about those things, and as we've you know looked at them, we've we've been talking with the volunteers, and we've talked about uh, parents. The difference is that the lead pastor carries a role of biblical authority as well as that of a supervisor over that student ministry worker in most churches. Now, it's not always the case, but primarily that's the case. Um, so how do you see that lead pastor or teaching pastor and the youth pastor working together? Well, I think they've got to be on the same page. Um, I think that it's important that the goals and vision for ministry of the lead pastor be shared by the the student pastor. That doesn't mean they have to do everything the same. It doesn't mean that they have, have to have the same personality or whatever, but they do need to share that common, uh, the commonality of this is why we're here. And, you know, cause if they don't, if, if they're competing with one another about what the priority is in ministry, uh, then it's, it's going to, it's going to cause problems in the church. It's it's going to cause a rift. It's going to if you're not seeing things the same way, people will they will notice that. And so, you know, as far as how we work together, a lot of communication needs to be taking place and just a lot of respect as far as my role as 
the biblical authority over our staff. Uh, I don't disagree with that from a biblical point of view, but all the men that I work with are pastors and are deserving of the respect uh, that that office holds. And so uh, the biggest thing for me is uh, see this as a team uh, situation. There are no lone rangers. And if someone fails, that person doesn't fail. We all fail. And so we win together, we lose together. And that's what it is to be working together, is to be a part of a team. That team concept is one that I appreciated. Um, when Wade came back from the, the Philippines as a missionary, I had the privilege of serving as the youth pastor at his church. And he never treated me less than. I was always a part of a team. And as the longer I was there, the the team grew. I mean, he managed to pull in the former lead pastor there and became the pastor of pastoral care and seniors. Um, and then just some other things. It was, it was an exciting time, but about well, a year just, and a half. It, just oh, to oh. clarify though, Dan, I had the privilege of coming to be the lead pastor at your church, <laughs> not the other way around. Well, yeah, <laughs> but about a year and a half into Wade's time there, I made the decision to hand off the youth ministry to a new leader. It was a point where I felt like, all right, my time in, in student ministry was done. Well, God has since had different ideas about that. But at that point, I felt like it was time for me to make a transition. And so I was stepping more into a worship pastor role there, associate pastor, that type of thing. And so Wade had to step through a process of looking for a new youth pastor. That's when it began, but there were some other searches that had to be made along the way over these these past years. And so, Wade, tell us a little bit about that journey. Well, you're right. You know, I'm I'm coming up on my eighth anniversary here at Temple, and in that time, I've gone through searches for pastors uh, way too many times. But <laughs> um, all of the reasons why I, I feel like have been good and. Um, it's given me that opportunity to have a, a little bit more perspective on this process, maybe than some others. Like you said, you know, when you stepped away from youth ministry and put all your focus on on worship ministry and then some other things that you had going at that time, at, at that point, we started looking for a youth pastor. We didn't know if that would be a, a full-time youth pastor or a part-time youth pastor, but we started taking applications and and vetting the candidates and started the interview process and um, had a lot of great applicants and had several good interviews and and so forth. But it ended up that God took us a different way uh, through this whole process. You know, you had been here at the church uh, as the youth pastor for several years and there was a young man who had worked as an assistant to you just as a volunteer yeah. uh, for many years. And and then when I came, you know, my passion has always been uh, spiritual formation and, and leadership development. And so one of the first things that I did was I gathered together this group of young to middle aged men and started pouring into them through a discipleship process and and through that leadership pipeline and and this was one of those guys. And so we were about a, oh, I don't know, year and a half to two years into that process of pouring into him when we were going through this search for a new youth pastor. 
And I think it was the sixth interview that we were doing with a different youth pastor that all of a sudden this guy just, he, he just froze. I mean, there was nothing he was saying, you know, he was always very much involved. He just clammed up and didn't say a word. And, uh, the, the next day he called me, he said, Hey, do you have time? Can we go to lunch? And, um, I said, sure. Cause I want to know what was going on. It was just very, very much unlike him to, to be that way. And so we went to lunch and he, he started out, he said, man, I am sorry. Uh, but I had to recuse myself from that discussion last night. I was like, okay, is everything all right? He said, well, yeah. He said, but in the middle of that conversation, I came to a realization that I couldn't be objective because the only thing I could think about in that moment was that I wanted to be the person in that chair interviewing for this job. And I was, I was like, okay, that, you know, and the, the candidate that we had just uh, talked to was a great candidate, but you know, this particular gentleman, we knew him, we knew that he loved the church. We knew that, you know, we knew who we, we were getting, you know, I, I had poured my, my hours upon hours into him week by week, uh, leading him through this stuff. I knew where his mindset was and, you know, I'll just stop here. It'll probably come up again later in the conversation, but you know, it's always better to raise up leadership rather than bring in leadership from another place mm -hmm. because every church is different. Every concept of ministry uh, that a person holds is different. And so when you bring somebody in that doesn't understand the culture of the church or doesn't understand the goals or the vision of the church, you're running the risk of getting someone in there that could be more disruptive than beneficial. And so as soon as he, he shared that with me, uh, we started the process of talking and, and long story short, it wasn't long after that John O'Connor became our uh, pastor of student ministries. And, um, John is a, a phenomenally intelligent and successful man in the business world that God has gotten a hold of his heart and done some amazing things with. But because of his phenomenal success in the business world, he got a promotion at his job. I, I lose track of the time frame, uh, a year and a half, two years in or so, um, he got a promotion in his job that was going to take him out of the possibility of continuing to serve as a part-time student minister. He came to me and said, uh, Wade, I just, I, I feel like our students deserve more of my time than I am going to be able to give. He said, so I, I think I'm going to have to leave the church. I, I'm going to have to step down as the student pastor and leave the church. And I said, why do you have to leave the church? <laughs> and he said, well, don't I? I said, no. I said, for that matter, John, you don't have to leave the pastoral staff. Um, do you want to leave the pastoral staff? He said, no, I just can't do this. I said, so what, what do you want to do that you have time to do? And, uh, we started dreaming and, you know, I, I left this part out. I also said, you know, I'll be happy for you to stay on staff if we don't have to pay you. And because that's the deal, he got a promotion. He didn't need it anymore. Uh, need the money by any means. And so he was so excited. And so uh, he dreamt about it for several weeks. And so then we presented to the church 
Um, this is this is what Brother John's new role is going to be, and he's going to be a volunteer pastor. And uh, here we go again. We're going to be looking for uh, a youth pastor once again. Yeah. By that yeah. point in time, though, you had realized that student ministry was not off the plate for you. And this is your story, <laughs> so I don't want to tell too much of it. But at that point, you went uh, to Calvary Baptist Church in Fayetteville. And yeah, so yeah. we were also without a worship pastor all of a sudden as well, because uh, both of, of our guys were gone. And so we had been looking for a part-time worship pastor, and we were able to fill that with uh, a close friend of ours. And so he served during this time that John was serving. Uh, we had part-time worship, part-time youth. And then both of those guys said, okay, it's time for God to move us on to different things. So once again, we were looking and God did not provide us with anybody really that could fill that role. I mean, worship and, and youth is, is a, a strange combination, you know? And so it, it exists and there are some guys out there that can do it, but it's, it's not your norm. Um, right. Even though it's always been the, what pe churches want, it's not an easy thing to fill. And so um, as we went through that process, we started doing worship as a volunteer you know, group. We're blessed with a bunch of musicians in this church. What we were lacking was that charismatic leader to be in front of the congregation and lead yeah. them in worship. Uh, we had all the musicians and vocalists we needed, but, but we needed that leader. And so God saw fit that it wasn't time for that. And we, because in the process of looking for a new, a new youth pastor, youth and worship pastor, God led us once again to a young man that was here in our church. Another young man that was, uh, that I had been pouring my, my hours into every week, discipling him and taking him through our leadership pathway. And, uh, he, he came to me, he said, I think, I think I'm the guy. And I looked at him and I said, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Let, let's pray about this. Let's, let's think about this. And, and some time went on and he said, I think I'm the guy, you know, that second time around, I said, okay, let's interview. Let's talk about this. And we, we moved forward and he was the guy for that time. And, and God grew him up a lot in that process. And, and he learned a lot about ministry and, uh, I continued to pour into him. And in that process, he came to the realization that I I'm ready to, to pastor my own church. And so a church about an hour and a half south of here, one of our sister churches, uh, Denver Street Missionary Baptist Church in Greenwood, called him to be their pastor. And so Derek Bremer went and he's now pastoring there. And we're excited for he and Michelle and their two kids. And, and you know, God is using all of this to grow him up in the ministry. And, and he's doing a great job there. But then once again, we were without a pastor. And or a youth pastor. And in that process, COVID had just struck. And so our youth ministry was in shambles because they couldn't come together anymore. And, and so 
Derek left about four or five months after uh, the world shut down. And so we started once again looking for a youth pastor. This time around, I, I handled things a little bit differently because I, I realized that at this point, there was no one waiting in the wings. Um, there was no way I could could raise someone up. Um, well, God's the one who raises people up. I don't want to discount the work of God by any means, but I just didn't feel led toward any of the, the people in our church uh, as fulfilling that role at that point in time. And so I started talking uh, with uh, a young man that I had been, I, I, he, was the, he was a guy that I had not considered on any of the previous times. I just felt like, no, he's, he's not the guy that, that we need here. And, uh, but then when everything went down and I'm on my third, third time through this process, all of a sudden God said, that's your guy. And I said, well, I'm not convinced Lord. <laughs> and he said, that's your guy. Start talking to him. And so that's what I did. I reached out to him, let him know what was going on. I, I told him some of the history of what had been happening and, and said to him, you know, I want the person that God wants in this position, but I also want somebody that I could be a partner in ministry with. I want somebody that's going to come here and be dynamic as a worship leader. I want somebody that's going to be able to come here and connect with our students in a, in a special way. I want somebody that is a biblical scholar. I don't, you know, I wanted somebody with uh, biblical literacy, not just somebody that was just flying by the seat of their pants. I needed a theologian because we're pouring into these kids. Yes, have fun with them and, and talk with them about all the geeky stuff that they like to talk about. But at the same time, you know, have that ability uh, to speak deeply about the truths of God's word. And so I spent about 80 to 100 hours on the phone with that gentleman over the next two to three months. Um, we would sit down and have a conversation, and it would be a four to five hour conversation. And we do that every other week or so, and talking about what this would look like. In November of that year, I was going to be out, and uh, he has some connections to the church, actually grew up in your youth group here at the church, but had yeah, gone on yeah. to Central Baptist College and uh, had been serving in other places. And so I invited him to come and fill the pulpit for me one Sunday, even gave him the topic that we were dealing with in our sermon series. And he just carried on the sermon series. And uh, after that day was over, I had several people ask me, hey, is, is he available? Could he come? And I said, you know, he might be, you know, and so about a month later, we had him come in view of a call. And a month after that, uh, he came. And now David McEwen is our pastor of family and worship. And uh, the, the name change there to a family pastor is simply because of the times that we're going through. Our, our student ministry suffered dearly through COVID. Mm. Yeah. And I, I said, I don't know if we're going to be able to get back to what we were with the students that we have. And so I want your focus to be kindergarten through 12th grade. 
and build up the group. I said, you know, give visionary leadership to that uh, children's ministry and then hands-on leadership for the student ministry, 6th through 12th grade. So that was about a year and a half ago now, and David is uh, doing great. So excited to have him here. He's doing a great job. And I know you're thankful that we called David up here because uh, he's your little buddy, and that gets him a whole (laughs) lot closer to go do lunch together. So. Well, you're not wrong. Um, I was thrilled when he came. And what's been so cool, even as I listen to you tell the story, and I knew all these details, but the the youth pastors that you've had, you've had John O'Connor, who was one of my adult volunteers for many years. Then you had Derek Brimmer, who was in my youth group during those early years when he was in eighth and ninth and maybe a little bit of 10th grade, somewhere in that range. And then David McEwen, who spent the, the last little bit of time, he was a pastor's son. And so he would come up for youth group at Temple and he he married a young lady who was an active part of the, the youth ministry at, at Temple and Rogers. And it's just, it's just fun to hear, but it's not fun to have to step through all of those process of looking and finding. Um, but no, ultimately- it's not. Uh, ultimately, you're looking for the right person at the right time to fill the right role, uh, trusting that God is going to lead in that way. And I love how that you've been pouring into people. We've been pouring into people and watch that turn around and, and produce fruit of new leaders. And even to the point where they're moving on to other types of ministries because of that investment in leadership. And it's something we all want to do. Uh, but, you know, we're we're talking about this idea of what you might be looking for in a youth pastor. And you kind of went through a little list there as you were talking about David and about what you, you filled in. But maybe you could just kind of touch on those a little bit of those characteristics that you were looking for in a youth pastor. As far as the characteristics of a, a youth pastor, love of students has to be right there at the top. And just frankly, that's the reason I would never be a good youth pastor. Uh, seventh grade boys just drive me nuts, you know, <laughs> and and ninth grade girls are right there, too. And so, yeah, I, I like them when they get older, you know, get them out of high school and and I can have an adult conversation with them and, and then we're great. But you got to love students and all the stupidness that goes along with students. And so right next to that is a love of God. And, you know, I talked about earlier, you know, being a theologian, you know, somebody who's rooted in God's word, uh, somebody that knows the word of God, that they're not, they're not stumped when somebody asks them a question. Uh, They know what the answer is, or at least know how to find it, you know? Um, it, it needs to be somebody that that's rooted in God's word. And, and so I'm very thankful for that. In fact, there are times when David and I are, are talking that I'll, I'll bring something up and I say, well, you know, where does it say that? And he'll tell me, uh, where in the Bible it is. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed with his mom and dad, Mark and Gretchen, uh, McEwen that they poured into their son and taught him well. And so, so yes, a knowledge, but there's so much more than just Bible knowledge that, that goes into having a relationship with God. 
And so a, a love of God and a love of his word, somebody that has the daily discipline of spending time in the word of God. I am dumbfounded at how many people don't see that as their top priority in ministry. You know, they're too busy to to have a, a quiet time with God. And, you know, last time we were together, we talked about connecting with God. But, you know, in the, the book of Acts chapter 6, uh, Peter and the other apostles, when they had the problem with the Hellenistic Jews, uh, came to the church and said, we should not leave the ministry of prayer and teaching in order to wait tables. Being a person of prayer and being a person of the word is the primary responsibility of a pastor. Everything else needs to be an outgrowth of that or an overflow of that. That's the that's the foundation. That's the basis. And if you have that foundation and basis, then your perspective on what needs to do, be done in the ministry should be good. Now, beyond that, you know, characteristics you're looking for in a youth pastor, someone who's fun, uh, someone who loves his family, someone who knows how to keep a balance. But, you know, there are going to be times when you have to sacrifice family for church and there are going to be times you have to sacrifice church for family and understanding when those times are and keeping that balance proper. I don't know. Those are those are some of the things. But as I said as earlier as well. Uh, just somebody I can work with, you know, somebody that sees themselves as a team player and that I'm I'm not questioning uh, their loyalty or I'm not questioning their ulterior motives, just somebody uh, that I can trust. What I appreciate most about what you've shared is, is these are their issues of character is what it boils down to. Um, you know, it's not the prototypical super cool guy. It's none of that. Loving your students, loving God, loving the word. And, you know, those are, those are values that anybody can have. Um, but one of the issues that we, we kind of run into is that many of our, our listeners, many of churches, maybe a pastor's listening or uh, some other people in their church are listening. Uh, we, they're smaller churches. So mid to small size churches, they may not be able to hire somebody. They may not be able to put somebody in that role that is what we would consider to call the pastor of God. So how does that change or how do our expectations for that role shift uh, because of that difference? Everything rises or fails on leadership development. Mm. And any pastor of any size church has the opportunity to develop leaders within the church. If they say, I don't know how to do it, then they need to get training. And training doesn't have to be expensive. You do need to be careful as to what materials and sources you use, uh, because there's a lot of garbage out there. There's a lot of stuff that's that's based on leadership principles uh, from corporate America and with Scripture slapped on the front to make it seem like uh, it is it is biblical. But there's a lot of great books out there that you can read about how to develop leaders. If if you need materials to help you in that leadership development, 
I'll give you materials. I have no problem in doing that, you know, <laughs> but leadership development. We are a church that through this whole process, we could have financially hired a full-time pastor for these roles. We ended up hiring part-time and then hiring part-time. And while at the same time doing volunteers for worship during uh, a long stretch of that, and then finally going back to hiring a full-time. And you say, well, I can't do any of that, you know, preacher. And I'm like, okay, I get that. But all of those that we hired, well, two of the three that we hired were raised up within our church. It was through the process of leadership development. And God has put everyone that you need into your church to grow your church for his glory and his kingdom. And it's just a matter of us equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. That is our calling. And, and you know, too many times pastors think that they need to be the ones to do all the work of the ministry. And it is a change of mindset. No, it's our job to equip others to do the work. Now, in order to equip them, we've got to model it for them, of course, but equip them to do. And so if if you can't afford to hire, I don't see that as a problem. Uh, you and I have talked about this on this podcast before. We didn't have a paid youth staff in the church we grew up in. Yeah, that's um, right. Our youth directors were parents of one of the students that was a year older than you and two years older than me. Um, And they loved us out of that youth group. You've got, I mean, the youth group was never more than about 12 people. And there are a half dozen of us that are serving in full-time ministry. Uh, God used that in special way. And so you don't have to have money. Uh, Let me put it this way because we're all watching baseball these days. Uh, some of us get to go sit in nice seats at Bomb Stadium at the University of Arkansas, but don't ever invite their friends to come. But that's another <laughs> issue. We're all watching baseball these days. And as I think about the baseball games I go to, I go see the Northwest Arkansas Naturals play. And they play people like the Wind Surge and the Sod Poodles. Yes, that's a real thing. Out of Amarillo, and, and I'm watching these these teams come in and play. You know, it seems almost like just a hometown ball game, but this is a double A affiliate of the Kansas City Royals. You know, the Northwest Arkansas Naturals, and and I've seen a lot of big stars that have come through the Naturals farm system and go on and play for the Royals and win World Series. We need in the church to have more of a mentality of a farm system rather than trading for a superstar. If we can grow up our leaders from within, they're part of the system. They love the church. They love the vision of the church. They understand the mission of the church. People trust them from the day they take a position because they've been there for years. If we can grow people up in a farm system rather than trading with the other church across town or across the state and bringing somebody in that may not fit, uh, it's that much better. And so that's what I would say to to pastors who, who can't afford to hire. 
that could be a blessing in disguise. You don't realize maybe the value of what you have in front of you. And so if you develop those leaders, and it's not a short process, <laughs> it's not a short process of developing leaders. But if you'll start that process, God will pay dividends. You will get a return on your investment. Pastors, it is important for us to equip the people. And then youth pastors, it's important for us to equip not just our students, but those other volunteers that you have there with you. Help develop them in such a way that, as Chris Vines has, has shared on the podcast, that what happens if you get hit by a bus? Will the ministry cease to exist at that point? Well, you know, if you've equipped your people, it'll continue on and they it won't skip a beat. They might have a moment for you, but it'll be time for it to keep going on. And so it is yeah, I, important. I hope they have a moment for you, at least a short one, but a, <laughs> a, short a moment. <laughs> Uh, but it is important for us to equip the people around us. Absolutely. And man, uh, that is such a such a good word. Wade, what are some other words of encouragement and direction that you might have for our listeners? Remembering that they're the youth pastors, they're the, the part-time, full-time, bivocational and volunteer guys. Well, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but the, the greatest encouragement that I could give is make your personal spiritual growth your priority. Uh, that includes uh, disciplines such as Bible reading and Bible study and memorization. Also, uh, spending time devoted specifically to prayer. That is your priority because without that, you're working. You know, you're you're trying to to plant a field and the water source, the well, is dry and there's nothing to water it. And so. Uh, that that's your priority. You've you've got to spend time every day. Make it a priority. Devote hours to your spiritual walk, and you know when you do that, all that other stuff falls into place. You know, I, if I am if I'm spending time in the Word and in prayer, uh, it's amazing how much more quickly I can get other things done, especially things like sermon prep and teaching and writing that I have to do. God just brings that to me a lot more quickly. Uh, and I think it's simply because uh, when I'm in step with his spirit, his spirit guides me more easily. So that, that's that's my word of encouragement. That has nothing to do with looking for a youth pastor necessarily, specifically, but at the same time, it has everything to do with looking for a youth pastor. Because pastor, if you're not in the word and you're not growing Nobody's going to want to come work with you. And youth pastor, if you're not in the word and growing, nobody's going to want you to come to lead their students. That's a mic drop moment. <laughs> it is because that's what it boils down to. Loving God. And how do we love God? Well, we have to know God and we know him through his word and through prayer. And so we just want to encourage you, listener, today. If you're struggling in that area, you know, reach out to Wade. He's got some great words for you. What's the best way for people to to contact you, Wade? Email wade at templerogers.org. I'm on uh, social media, but yeah, that's that's not always the best way to reach me. I have found <laughs> that, that spending time on social media can be a black hole that sucks time away from my ability to yeah. to read the word as much as I want to and so forth. But yeah, Wade 
W-A-D-E at templerogers.org is my email address or, you know, reach out to Dan and he'll give you my cell phone number. That's fine. No problem. Well, again, Pastor, if you're wanting some advice on how to step through this process, I know Wade could help you. But if you are wanting to to focus in on your spiritual growth and development, reach out. We would love to help you as you're trying to, to grow in that area. Because when we grow, when we develop that relationship to a greater degree with our, our father, then we have the opportunity uh, to impact more lives and to to really impact students that are around us. And we do those things because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.